What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Family Cast, where food and music is life, yes? And I am not going to take a long time on this introduction today, I promise to you, because my guest today is Andrew James McQueen, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between. Andrew James McQueen, local buddy of mine for a long time, since about we were in high school, local bands together, all that jazz. Uh, But... I wanted to have him on because uh, he is not a chef, no, but he is a cool friend doing cool things. Chances are, if you've seen any of the local hockey games or soccer's games, so the San Diego Goals, even when they were in Irvine, and the San Diego Soccers, they play at our local sports arena, right? So Andy is one of the camera operators for the games. So he does all the camera work for the goals and the soccer's. And also on reality TV shows. Too many to list here. Uh, you'll have to find them online on his, his uh, social media pages because it's so much stuff. And you've, you've seen his work for sure. Also, though, fun another fun thing is he's not uh, when he's not doing music or cameraman or whatever he's you know his traveling, he is a voiceover actor and a voice character actor. So you might have even heard his voices on things, commercials and stuff like that. So we're going to get into the conversation and... Uh, just really quick before we do that, I wanted to remind you that um, the episodes have been kind of sporadic lately on uh, which days I'm releasing them. That's because I'm having some uh, technical difficulties with with things and also with life in general, uh, with stuff happening in my own life. So I'm getting them out when I can. I'm still trying to do them once a week. Of course, um, they just might be on different days than you're used to. So I do have some more in the pipeline. I do have some more rad interviews coming up with guests and all this other fun stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Without any further ado, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Family Cast Food and Music as Life. Here's my episode with Andrew James McQueen. I will talk to you after the conversation just a little bit more. Let's dig in. What another on location episode of the Family Cast. And today I'm with um, uh, one of my oldest age-wise and time-wise peoples in my life, friends, pals, companions, compatriots, um, Andrew James McQueen, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Andy McQueen here. We're just sitting outside my kitchen because it's a lovely day. It's a lovely day. Uh, my kitchen happens to be right around the corner from a lot of our escapades when we were younger. Ah, this is very true. Yes. So what, what, none of these buildings were actually here when we were younger. But, <laughs> That's also um, very true. Yeah, so, but, but we're going to get into some of that. I, I don't want him to divulge all my little secrets, but... There's some fun stories. Um, yeah, so Andy, a little, little background is, oh, I, f- I actually first met Andy down the road. Uh, there, his band, more or less, she was playing a show at somewhere where they used to, somewhere right there by SAE Kitchens, right down here. Um, I don't remember what it was. But anyways, it was the first time I'd seen the band play. And so that's where I met Sean Beatty, who later was jo- who joined Dogwood uh, maybe a couple years after that. And, you know, Jason and Jimmy were in the, his band too. Anyhow, today I have Andy, who was singing for that band. Yeah. And then they kind of, so that their band, more or less, kind of took us under their wings, their broken arm wings. <laughs> and um, we, that's, we just went from there. So that the first time I met him, he was playing. And then we just kind of just started going snowboarding every every week is that really how we met that's how i met you is that because you knew i yes because i was thinking about this i don't think you knew we didn't know each other but we knew kind of mutual friends so in my head and and, you know we 
<laughs> we as people, we as individuals remember things how we do and whether it's true or convoluted or whatever, but I have this memory of talking with Jason and Jason and Jimmy worked at a school. Like they were like, like noontime monitors or yeah, something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And Jason said to me, there's this band, there's these guys in a punk rock band. Hmm. <laughs> And you listen to a lot of punk rock. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, can you go listen to them and, and let us know if they're any oh, good? Oh, yeah, because Jason and Jimmy were more like metal and, and grunge. And J Jason was definitely more met, like hardcore grungy. Jimmy wanted to be metal. Uh, and I love Jimmy. I do. But Jimmy listened to anything that had the, the, the word white in the title of the band. White Snake. White Snake. White Lion. White Lion. <laughs> white Heart. <laughs> that's what Jimmy was listening to. I forgot about all those names. Anyways, not, not that any of that's bad. It, Jimmy ended up being a, a really good, accomplished guitar player, not only with Moral Issue, but later on in life. Yeah, totally. But anyway, yeah, so they, they were like, dude, go check them out. They play at seven o'clock on Saturdays. And I was like, seven o'clock, dude, our show's at like, I think we go on at like nine or 10 at Soma. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it. Like if I'm in Escondido at seven, Jason's like, no, 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 no. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. S 7 a.m., like I don't even go to bed till like three or four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We still, we were playing out right. regularly at that point. Totally. And so, uh, I you forgot know, about that. Yeah, uh. you get off, of, we got off at like, what? We walk out of Soma at like midnight. Yeah. Then we go to Denny's. Denny's or Roberto's. Uh, at Esc in Escondido <laughs> and then by the time I got home and finally went to bed, it was like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, are you serious? And yeah. that was, I think, I think that's the first time I, I think it's definitely the first time I saw half off. Right, right. Are, are pre, the listeners totally. yeah, we savvy on the pre, half off? Pre dog, pre dogwood. Pre dogwood. Yeah, this was the Josh Hagquist days. Josh Hagquist, Billy. Billy, yep. And Jace. And Jace. Yeah. Jace Molina. Yep. So that was, I think that was the first time. And so I walked in. And I think you guys were already like mid rehearsal because, of course, I was late because I didn't want to be there at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Neither do we. And uh, and I was like, okay, all right, these guys, these guys got some chops. Some. Yeah. A chop. We had at least one chop. <laughs> I mean, Billy was a no, pretty good drummer. No, for the age everyone was, I think it was like decent. Yeah. Decent high school San Diego punk rock. But as far as my memory serves me, I don't think Jason had actually heard you guys yet. Oh, really? I don't think so. I think he was the one that's telling me that I should be the one to tell them whether or not you guys were good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they got potential. They need better gear. But that's every band starting out, right? I, yeah, that was like really early days. Like, unless your dad is like, you know, has, gives you the Amex card and says, go to Guitar Center and yeah. knock yourself out. You start out with a cheaper guitar right. and a cheaper amp. And if you're lucky, you have an, a PA to sing through. <laughs> yeah, we... we uh... I mean, I didn't own any of that. Own any of that? That was all at Billy's, Billy's uncle's. Um, right. I think it was the sanctuary at the church or something. Yeah, like it was that. like around the corner from his house. Yeah, or something. totally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. We got we scored, and that was the only time it was available for us. So Seven a.m. on a Saturday. We took it. You took it. We took it. And here, and here we are. And here we are. Now I'm just right around the corner from so it. So I, so <laughs> I tell people selfishly. I will admit this. I do tell people that I discovered dogwood. That's fine. I'm down. That's fine. I mean, we had to, we had to, somebody had to tell somebody had to tell people about us. <laughs> See, I'm serious. I, well, we didn't know how to get the word out back then either. Like that was we didn't have really money to make cassettes. We I think we were recording the rehearsals, but but yeah. And then we we're definitely punk rock in the sense that we didn't have as much talent as we maybe thought we had or needed. But but we, but then after that, we just started. We were our bands were playing shows together all the time, uh, as, or as much as possible, like in San Diego. And, yeah. Um, 
uh, Soma and anywhere really. I remember just playing everywhere, rooftops, backyards, half pipes, literally elementary schools, yeah. like wherever. It's uh, it's party, like house parties. Yeah, it's like when when uh, people want to to sell a show to Netflix and they call Netflix and they answer the phone. They're like, "Hello, Netflix, you're greenlit." It's yeah. like if they called dogwood for a show you guys said yes it yeah. didn't matter where it was. Who it was a coffee shop in el cajon it could be yep. a, a skate shop opening in oceanside mm-hmm. it could be a, a church Birthday out party. in riverside yeah. a, a house party it didn't matter well to be and you know to be honest and historically accurate there wasn't m- r- very many venues no actual venues no legit besides soma so we did soma a lot but you know Churches started doing shows more and more as there was more bands developing in San Diego sure. County, but there still wasn't that many that would host a show. So I was, I was uh, well because they I'm, were afraid. Totally, they but, were afraid of rock and roll. But I was glad that we that I went to um, at Calvary Escondido where there was so many musicians coming out of there, whether they're church bands or not. There was so many actual musicians there, right? And so um, there was you, a big. You can hear in the background they're they're loading out some of the equipment here. At, oh yeah, at Harvest. Yeah, we're doing it at the kitchen, loading up for a wedding tomorrow. So I'm like. Just to, I'll just come outside. That's the uh, the, going. the sound in the background. For those, <laughs> if you hear, yeah. that's that's the beauty of these on location episodes. You get to hear the sounds of the city. Sounds of the city. Yeah. So the one I just put out was, you know, you got to hear some trolleys and some fire engines. Maybe today we'll hear some trash trucks and helicopters. Definitely the Palomar Airport's right there. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how it all kind of started out. Yeah. And, and going back to like Calvary, you know, I started going over there too, just because there were so all many the musicians, musicians were there, were there and mm-hmm. we all, you know, like minded and talked about shows and recording totally. and, and trying to put things together. It was, uh, like you said, it was, we, there was not a lot of funds to make it happen. So we had to do whatever we could to yeah. promote ourselves. And we started putting on our own shows. I mean, and also like we found out after, you know, a couple, couple weeks after we met that Sean Beatty and your, in moral issue was, you know, he could record at his house new pepper records and yeah, yeah. cassette tapes yep. before they were hip and trendy. Like that, that was the only option was cassette tapes. Right. And, uh, so did we rec- we recorded your first demo, right? I mean, he's probably done a bunch of our demo. Yeah, that, that um, in Escondido there was one time at his house there was one time. Um, yeah, a couple, a few different lost recordings. I have one cassette that Evan dug up for me. He's like, just guess what I have? The only cassette copy of like you know my Mustang or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Hackwis ha- oh, has one. Yeah. Oh, your Mustang. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so this was all like early 90s like i was just just finished high school just started the band right um just learning how to do anything musically or sing or anything like that perform really performing right um but then we started like just also going to a lot of other shows together like the bands would all go travel together like we would all go to shows like we're not playing we're just gonna go up to the this festival in orange county or la or san diego san diego wasn't having that many festivals back then but no so um but I want to jump around a little bit because that's music's talk and we'll, we'll sure, obviously sure. get there. It's food and music is life. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll pair that up. But what about a little bit about your background? I know you're, you, you have parents who are both local also. Right. And um, work for local companies and stuff like that. So, um, oh, look, a trash truck, just like I was saying. And cue the trash uh, truck. And cue the trash. It's like a movie shoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cue the broken glass. Um, anyways, who did your parent, were your parents musical? So. I know your mom loves Neil Diamond. My mom loves Neil. I love Neil Diamond. Um, yeah, it's funny how we love our parents' music to a certain age, and then we kind of get away from it because we find our own voice, if totally. you will, musically yeah. speaking. Um, but then later in life, as we are right now, you kind of go. I find myself going back to some of that nostalgic it's, it's music. Comfort, comfort music. It is comfort music. Yeah. But um, yeah. So my dad, uh, 
My dad started out as a kid playing accordion. I started out as a kid too. No way. <laughs> you guys have a lot in common. Yes. You yeah. and Russ have a lot in common. Maybe that might be it. Though. That might be our only. That might be. That might be it. <laughs> His dad is. Yeah, we have a fun relationship. Um, <laughs> so he played accordion. My dad played accordion, <laughs> and then um, it's a funny story to that. My grandparents, my dad's parents, bought his sister a piano and so his sister was taking piano lessons and my dad would go over from time to time and jump on the piano and look at it and it it looked familiar but he couldn't figure it out because he's so used to looking straight down at the keys of an accordion oh and so he my dad decided he was going to take piano lessons and so the teacher was there she was talking with my grandmother they were out of the room and my dad would tilt his head so that it was flat against the keys of the piano yeah so he could figure out where to put his fingers because he just didn't know Uh and so he would start playing the song this way and the piano teacher would come in and would smack him in the head oh no you can't do that so that's a kind of funny story about how my dad started playing piano and then eventually guitar as uh i think a lot of people do did back then Mm -hmm. it was a pretty simple transition to go from piano to guitar but yeah my dad was my biggest musical influence as a kid growing up oh, he, nice. he played guitar all the time i didn't know that oh yeah all the time it was great so uh, next time i see him i can ask him to bust out the accordion and yeah yep. that might be a little bit of a, more of a challenge <laughs> but yeah he can still play okay um cool yeah we just my my kid brother alan uh, bought a brand new 12 string yamaha acoustic guitar and got it shipped to the San Marcos location. My brother bought it in Pennsylvania. Shipped it to San Marcos. I went and picked it up. I snuck it into the house. I strung it up, all 12 strings, uh-huh. tuned it. And then every Sunday, my family gets together. My dad, my parents do with my brother in Pennsylvania and they do a Skype call. And so my kid, my nephews are learning how to play guitar. And so my dad would help them through via Skype or whatever. Oh. And this is before the pandemic. Yeah, There's, this is what they would do on regularly on Sundays. Oh, okay. And so when my dad went back and visited them, uh, they had a 12 string there that my dad just fell in love with. Um, backstory: My mom gave my dad on for their wedding gift. My mom gave my dad a 12 string acoustic guitar. Oh. And very early in their relationship, my dad had put it behind the door in the closet, and my mom opened the door and broke the neck. Oh. And so it was just always around, but you could never play it. Right. It was busted. It was broken. And then, of all people, James, James Hood. Hood. <laughs> Shout out James Hood, guitars right here. Original lead singer of Moral Issue. Yeah. Um, James, I, I took that guitar to several places, and they were like, oh, it's firewood. And I was like, I got offended or upset. Not for I, James. I'm like, that's, my mom gave that to my dad. Yeah. You can't, I mean, even if it's just artwork and you hang it on the wall, but like, that's rude to just say it's firework, uh, firewood. And I brought it to James, and James very successfully repaired it. Recently? Um, yeah, a couple about, years back. Okay. A couple years He's back. He's the best. Like, I, I, do a quick voiceover commercial for James Hood Guitars. I'm just kidding. Um, for, no, all your, no. for all your woodworking and guitar needs, call James Hood Guitar. Yeah. Best luthier in the world. A luthier, nice. So James, James is one of our old music buddies. He was like Andy said, he's the first singer of Moral Issue. Um, He's now running a a really cool guitar restoration and repair clinic, not clinic, but shop. Basically, a whole business. Yeah, yeah. Just fixing guitars and building guitars right here, right around the corner from my kitchen. Um, And everybody goes to him. Everybody who's anybody's going there. But yeah, and then I had Andy do that commercial because also now nowadays more often, Andy's using his voice talents for. 
is it called technically called voiceover work? Voice voiceover work. Voiceover yeah. work. So like you know, voices, different things you would hear on commercials, cartoons, radio, yep. all those TV ads. You know, voiceover, voice acting, they're different. Voiceover is just basically my voice. Right. Who knew? Oh, voice acting is when you like make Doing a funny voice or characters. Character, or, yeah. 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 Aired like uh, impersonations. Sure. Like, yeah. For sure. Right. So. Well, we're gonna we'll get into some of that because that's coming in down the pipeline of our of our timeline here, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah. After you, and then you started. What was your first bit? Was Marlis your first band, or was there something? Else? Oh, hung like a flea. <laughs> if that be- counts, if that counts. Even before that, I played bass. Sean Beatty played guitar. Oh. In a little tiny little band called Elisha. Oh, that was you guys. That was us. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Adam. Gosh, I forgot his last name. And then the other, the lead singer's name was and- Andy Brown. Andy Brown. Good Andy old Andy Brown. Brown. Good old Andy Brown. Everyone knows an Andy Brown, right? Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's where that's literally where we started. I started out playing bass, and then uh, so a couple small bands before. Yeah. You jo- okay. And Is then there... Moral Issue was a thing. Yep. And uh, right before they went in to record their first album, uh, James decided that he wanted to pursue other opportunities and ventures in his life, mm-hmm. and quit Moral Issue. So in a scramble, uh, they were looking for a lead singer and approached me, and I was like, no, I'd, I want to play bass. But Sean was playing bass, and uh, apparently when they did their first demo, I was in their in the studio hanging out, and apparently Jason Evans heard me singing, which I didn't really do. I mean, Neil I, Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I did it in the shower. That's not where he heard me. Um, we were in the studio, and he's like, He's like, dude, you have a good voice. And I was like, what are you talking about? And literally, they convinced me to be the singer of Moral Issue. Oh, nice. That's funny. Cool. Well, that worked out. And it was like, in two weeks, we're going in the studio recording an album. I was like, what? Two? Yeah, that's not that's that's time enough to learn. A, two you know, weeks. A two weeks. Like, nine nine songs, whatever was on the first album. Eight songs? I don't know. Man, those are the those are the olden, olden days of... Um, crazy. I remember. Yeah. It was crazy. I remember we used to take our CDs... After we both had put out records, and we would take them to Snow Summit and like try and sell them for money to pay for gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were uh, we were young and scrappy and and trying and spending all of our money going to snowboarding every you know once or twice a week. Yeah, um, at least pre, once or pre twice a week. injuries. Yeah, um, sometimes during injuries, whatever. But pre any big injuries. Um, True. Yeah, and then yeah. So, so mu- music's kind of been a part of your life the whole. Music's been a part of my since, life since I, day one till yeah. now. Like I everything. mean, with my dad playing guitar and then. You know, we all, we all, my brothers, there's three of us, so four, four, four bros, four bros in the family, and, um, God bless your mother. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> if the age range, it's just insane. Because they're all together? It's just so close yeah, together. there's no gap. Not really. Um, yeah, I, I, I Are I, your brothers I, musical? Yeah, I, so I played saxophone in elementary school and junior high. Uh, my oldest brother, Adam, played trumpet all the way through high school and then it actually started playing with some some uh orchestras around town my brother eric played drums and my kid brother alan played uh trombone so my dad played accordion and guitar uh-huh adam played trumpet eric played drums i played sax alan played trombone and my mom played the radio <laughs> where's that dang neil diamond <laughs> <laughs> That's, so you guys could have done a band. We could have done a band. I think. I think in my dad's heart of hearts, he wanted something like that to happen. Totally. But um, the McQueens. Yeah, yeah. The four McQueens wasn't that like a number, like the four tops. There was a. There was the four tops. Yeah. I don't know if there was the four McQueens, but 
but it could have been something. It could have been something. Eh, could have, would have, should have. Could have, would have, should have. But whatever. But yeah, you know, as as siblings do, they kind of all do their own things, and so it never, never, it never came to fruition. But we still all jam together. Like my dad and I, um, my brothers don't really play music anymore. Mm-hmm. Eric seems to think he still knows how to play drums, but <laughs> you know, unless you're doing it, you're not doing it. Yeah. Dang. Does he? So uh, well, that's cool. At least you and your dad are getting to do it together. You know. Yeah. And um, so so yeah so I. On the day when my brother bought the 12-string acoustic guitar in Pennsylvania, had it shipped to San Marcos, I brought it into the house, and they got together to do their Skype call. Um, my brother's kids, my nephews, were playing guitar like, oh, to my dad, Papa, we want to play you a song. And so they were playing, and I walked in behind my dad and gave him this brand-new 12-string oh, acoustic wow. guitar on camera in front of my brother and his family. Like, we planned the whole thing. Oh, okay. Nice. And my dad was like, oh, my God. He was crying? He got a little misty-eyed. Russ got a he, little misty-eyed. Okay. And we're talking about, like, a, a you know, hardcore Marine. Marine yeah. Vietnam ex, hardened. Ex, Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, a true a, a true gentleman, a true patriot. A true um, patriot. Uh, crying over a guitar. Crying over a guitar. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Not the man who raised me. No, I'm sure grandkids have changed him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as, as, soon as he got his first grandkid, he was probably like... I'm I'm a different man. I, I will <laughs> I will never forget that day. My my nephew Miles, and uh, my dad's holding him, and my and Russ says we'll get to why I, I keep saying Russ, but Russ <laughs> should do we have to? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I won't. Who knows? Now there's a jet flying overhead. An actual um, private jet is landing over here soon. So I remember Russ. Okay, I'm gonna pause. Was that holding for Can audio? Can you fly any faster? Seriously. In three, two, one. There he goes. He's waving. Oh, he's got a propeller. That's right. So I remember looking at Russ as he's looking at Miles, Miles, my nephew. And uh, And he's like, and he says, (laughs) he's stolen a piece of my heart. As like a little tear like drops his eye. And I remember looking at my dad like, you're a Marine. Is that the first time? Pull yourself together. (laughs) Everybody's looking. Is it the first time you saw a tear? That was the first time I ever saw my father cry. And I, not even when his dad, my grandfather, who was a Japanese POW for three and a half years on the island of Corregidor, um, I never even saw my dad cry when my grandfather passed. Wow. So that was like the first time ever. And you know, Russ was yeah, hard. No, I know. I remember. Um, did that change you at all, seeing him like that? Um, yeah, it did. It, it kind of. How long ago was that? I mean, Miles is what, 16? Oh, okay. That was a while ago. Yeah. So, I mean, so what does that what does that feel like when you see your dad cry for the first time? Um. So, or at least seeing it, he might have done it before, but you saw it. Sure. Exactly. I mean, for me, as a musician, as an artist, I'm a very emotional person. I mean, you've known me for how long? You know, since ninety three. Yeah. Or ninety four, maybe. Ninety four. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Would you say your email? With emo? Are you? <laughs> I, would I say I'm emo? I would say I'm emo. Yes. Okay. Not musically speaking. Yeah, okay, no. Yeah. Okay. Emo as an emotional. E- not emo as in haircut. Correct. Yeah. Shoegazer. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, um, but r- seeing your dad cry. So seeing my dad cry for the first time, it, it definitely, you know what? It allowed me to look at my father in a different way, not as in the. Can I can I say hard ass? You already did. You just did right now. Okay. Well, I guess I just did. <laughs> no, he is a hard ass. He is a hard ass. But. Uh, or at least was. Well, yeah, he still hard, is. Hardish? Yeah, hardish. 
Okay, he was a hard ass up until that point. Up until that point, and then it just kind of showed a, a more vulnerable side of my father that he never exposed to me or my brothers growing up. Certainly not me. I'm the wild child of the family, mm-hmm. pr- proudly saying so. But uh, You're the middle? I'm number three of four. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, in, in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and you know Eric, yeah. so yeah. It's, I'm definitely the middle child. Sure. Um, that, so how is your relationship with Russ, the da- your dad now? It's, um, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. We, you know, even within the last like five or six years, we've still really butted heads in like crazy major ways. Um, a lot of that I'll just take full responsibility for because it was more of like, without getting into the situation, I was, I was reacting from a place of the ego and the ego is not good for anyone Mm -hmm. really. And so selfishly, I, I reacted to a situation and it did nothing but cause us to just butt heads and, mm. and escalate emotions and feelings. And, you know, those those feelings turned to anger and frustration. And, you know, we got into a verbal altercation. Mm. So recently. Yeah. Yeah. Or within the last five to six years. OK. Um, but I, I've done so I've done my own journey of exploring, you know, emotions and trying to not trying I don't I'm getting away from saying trying uh, okay. of actually controlling my emotions and my perspective on looking at situations and hmm. not allowing myself to be volatile or frustrated and angry okay because I learned that's what I learned you know you learn no one teaches you to be angry no one teaches you to get up, upset it, you learn by association you learn by the examples whether it be parents or aunts and uncles or family friends we learn by observing and seeing these things i mean you're a father you have kids Mm -hmm. i don't have kids Mm -hmm. i worked with children for a long time and at being a youth worker we're still examples to those kids Mm -hmm. and so no one taught me to get angry or be upset or get frustrated those are just things that i learned in life so i've gotten away from from that recently and I've gone on my own journey of, of exploration of trying to see I gotta get away from trying Uh-oh. getting away from uh, being my old self okay and practicing mindfulness and, and gratefulness and being like situationally aware and you know being a better version of myself I've been working on that for shoot 20 years now yeah it's a daily it's a daily thing right when it's a daily when choice you're building a better you like you know um not to quote myself, but just kidding. Um, but yeah, when you're working on yourself, it's, it's, it is part of the, that's the whole journey. The whole journey is working on yourself, right? Like it is, you know, it's so two things. Did your dad know this? Um, <laughs> or your yeah, mom or? yeah, I talk with more of this stuff about, about this stuff to my dad. Um, and it's interesting, you know, growing up as, as Christians, um, not necessarily like avid churchgoers mm-hmm. when we were young, but as Christian people, um, you know, you, you have one way of thinking and, you know, the Christian world calls it, you know, prayer is something that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, other parts of the world call, can call that meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've kind of been talking with my dad about that, um, of, of practicing mindfulness and, and, and gratefulness and shift doing that mind shift of, of perspective and not allowing things that used to really aggravate me or frustrate me traffic 
um, amongst many other things. Yeah. Because um, you can't control it. I can't control it. And why allow those things to stir emotion in me in a negative way and bring out negative energy? Mm -hmm. So instead, I want to reflect positivity, bring positivity into the world. And I truly believe that, you know, you attract those things that you are. So if you're a positive, happy person, you're going to attract those things into your life. That's just one of the things I'm it's a more is this a more newer kind of practicing. revelation for yourself or yeah definitely within the last couple of years you know <clears throat> certainly pre-pandemic um and then right in the beginning of the pandemic mm -hmm. you know things got different in my personal life and and I was I was placed into a position to literally practice mindfulness and positivity and focusing on joy laughter and happiness mm -hmm every day because the alternative was happening to me. Right. And instead of allowing those things to affect me in a negative way, I chose to choose joy, love and happiness and positivity. And those things came back to me. Yeah. They yeah. really did. I was in a place of negativity and I got out of that place to a place of positivity because of that mind, that mindset of choosing that every single day. It's hard to steer that sometimes when you're, or if you're too far down into anxiety or depression, um, Mental, for sure. Mental health, you know, is, is huge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and when you can recognize it, that's a, a really good positive direction. So to bring that back around, yeah, I've discussed some of that with, with my dad. And, uh -huh. and I think, and you could probably relate, I think, you know, our parents only want us to be happy. Yeah. And you want them to be happy. And a lot, a lot of parents want to force that happiness on their kids from the way that their parents want. But at the end of the day, I think at this point I'm 45, almost 46. I think my dad realizes that I'm going to find whatever it is that I want and I'm going to make the best of whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I've, I think I've done that. Good. I, I think I've gotten to that point. Totally. I'm still working on it every day. Every day. Is every, a, every day is a, uh, you got to, it's like you said, mindset, uh, but there's things we can't control and right. things we can. So sure. What can I control? Right? Like the guy who cut me off on the way here. Yeah. You have no control over people, other people. I don't. I'm I was teaching. scared. I'm, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I thought job. I was going to tear my bumper off. <laughs> I, I I tell Eden that I was driving here today. I was like, all these people in front of me in, in traffic are stepping on the brakes for no reason or cutting people off. It's like, I can't control how they're doing. They're just, they might never change, but you have to be aware of that and be the best driver. Well, this, in this instance, it was driving. I was like, be the best driver you can be because other people don't have that same feeling or awareness. Well, like, so, so to bring that's, that's totally correct. And to bring that back to say my father, who was such a hard ass on, on definitely me, mm -hmm. I, I can only speak from my own perspective, but I got to the point in my life where I realized, and not only just with my dad, but in my personal relationships, I can't change that other person. Right. I can change me. Mm -hmm. And that's where it needs to start. And that's, that's what I did. And that, that decision got me to where I am today and to the place where I am today. Yeah. Hold. I can edit it. He can edit. <laughs> or not. Totally. Yeah. So it's a, uh, that sounds like it's more recent clarity. Like yeah. Within the last year or so. Definitely. Maybe less. Maybe Definitely. Um, Nonviolent communication. Great book. Totally. That great. sounds like some a, positive mental attitude. Kind man, of stuff. Like, it's a great book. It literally, it just, it helped shift totally. my mind. I love that. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also congrats for reading a book. I know we were like, okay, full, dis, full discretion, listening to it. 
I, yeah. That's fine, too. That's still a book. I mean, audiobooks are books. I have, I have ADHD. It's difficult for me to Dang, focus on a like book. the fourth person I talked to on the show that has that. What is it with it? All these, all of us kids who were... Who um, but they, what, there was no ADHD when we were kids. It was I, just an ex, uh, uh, expressive and emotional and hyperactive kid. In first grade, Miss <laughs> Wheeler stuck me in a cardboard refrigerator box that had a hole cut out of the side. Uh-huh. And inside of that was the box of junky crayons that nobody wanted to use. They didn't have like the labels on them. Oh, yeah. They're like... Broken. All, all of them were broken. It's like they're all dark colors. That got shoved into that box and time out, which didn't exist either... <laughs> Which you get frustrated with me. I'm in first grade. She'd be like, go into the box. And I was like, cool, because now I'm not distracted by the right. world. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I've got four walls around me, a box of crayons. And I was like, oh, cool. And I guess I was practicing graffiti. Coloring the whole thing. <laughs> but I, as an artist, not knowing I was an artist in first grade, I'm just drawing on the inside of this cardboard box. I thought I was great. Yeah. I didn't have to deal with all the other classmates totally. or it's, it's a privilege. <laughs> assignments. And I came home from school and my mom was like, hey, so how was school today? And I was like, oh, it was great. And uh, yeah, we did this. And at recess, I played with, you know, Brian. Oh, and then I got I got to go into the cardboard box and I got to draw on the... And my mom was like, Car- what cardboard box? You were in a cardboard box at school? It doesn't even... Like, why would you be in a cardboard... <laughs> She's trying to make sense of it all. And so I explained it. And my mom was furious. Oh, yeah. And she marched down to the school and like got in front of the vice principal's, you know, desk and got in their face and pulled my teacher in you're not putting my kid in a refrigerator box whatever nobody puts him in a box in second grade no i'm not gonna go down the whole list but yeah it was no we get it you got adhd yeah but that but that's kind of puts you on this not i don't know if it's trajectory but you did you know we we grew up skating and snowboarding and punk rock and music and then but you also took a turn into the tv and entertainment film and that are you like the cameraman for the San Diego Goals now, or the the Ducks, or like how does how did you get into being the cameraman for hockey from all this and like doing these other TV shows? Yeah, you know, like so um, for those of you that don't know, yeah, when you watch the Goals, you often see puck action, and that's because of Andy's camera work. That's true. Um, or um, the or the Ducks, not the Ducks, Some, or when they were playing. Who was playing in Irvine? I mean, the, so the Goals, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the Goals. Okay. So you're you're not far off. So the the, goal, the San Diego Goals are the AHL, the American Hockey League's. Uh, their, their minor league team, if you will, for the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, got it. They're owned by the same ownership. Okay. Uh, but they're just like like the minor league team. Right. So quite often, the players from the Gulls will get called up to the NHL, to the Ducks. Okay. And vice versa, if for whatever reason a guy is like, you know, needs to work on his stamina or strength and conditioning, they'll send him down to the Gulls where he can get stronger. And then when he does better performance-wise, comes back up to the Ducks. And that happens, literally, it yeah. can happen day to day. No, they do it with the Padres all the time, too. It's, like, constant yeah. how much it happens. So this season... Did this it happen last, a lot during COVID? Like it did, COVID quite, stuff? quite a bit. And that's why the San Diego goals of Irvine yeah. was a thing. Okay. Because the goals and the Ducks, stay, they were within their, the bubble of safety because of covid mm-hmm. um so they all needed to stay in the same place live in the same place practice in the same place so in the event they needed to be called up to the nhl they were all within the safety of covid and being tested and not positive for covid all in the same spot right so we as the crew who live in san diego had to drive up to irvine to do the games okay that's <laughs> how that came about so Sheesh. yeah that's fun. There's not going to be any short stories during this. That was a short story. It was a shortish story. I try- but I wanted to find out how you 
so you took the turn from singing in bands right. and multiple bands to being uh you know so I, I, like we can see your we can see your res- resume of camera work on imdb and stuff like that yeah which is not you know that's a quite a turn from singing punk rock you know and yeah you know <laughs> it is or um, is it or is it i don't know you know it's not that far off Aha. from normal um you got the tour life you, yep. <laughs> you're traveling to Tahiti. It's I don't go, know. Goes in, it goes out. So he just got back from a, 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 you know, all these other states, like not not San Diego County. So like, yeah. Which, go. So how did you get? Go ahead. So go ahead with a. Not even. It doesn't even have to be a short story. So my first. We got a mutual friend, Dustin. We have a mutual friend, Dustin Edo, who. Um, Hi, he, Dustin. He went. He went and studied a little bit of college, like. Like uh, doing like camera work and doing photos, he he took a lot of photos for us. Yeah, he was one of the original photographers of of Dogwood and and some other snowboarding trips, Caps Crew, and yeah. So so a lot of our friends from the '90s were photographed by Dustin when we went on our snowboarding trips and very true. And some of the very early shots of Dogwood were from Dustin's camera. So Dustin, you know, was going to Palomar College, taking photography. I think he was taking a video production class, and we had a mutual friend, Jimmy G. Um, who was a news videographer. Oh, okay. So Jimmy would start to get bigger and bigger clients and need more complicated sound setups. And so Jimmy taught Dustin how to mix audio. Oh, yeah, that's Dustin, right. if this is wrong, I'm sorry, but this is how I remember it. <laughs> um, and so Jimmy and Dustin were basically a cameraman, Jimmy and Dustin, the audio guy, were a team. And they worked together for years all over the place. Well... A little show called American Idol mm-hmm. got created. Mm-hmm. Jimmy got hired to work on American Idol. So now Dustin's by himself as an audio guy. There was another videographer in town, John DeTarzio. And Jimmy and John became... A, Dust, a, Dustin a, and John. Yep. <laughs> Dustin and John. See, that's that's ADHD. <laughs> Dustin and John became a team. Right. John and Dustin were always going all over the place doing stuff. They needed an extra guy for a particular shoot. It was, uh, had to do with uh, Michael Jackson and certain allegations. Uh, we were actually doing a, a shoot for 60 minutes. And so Dustin called me. I was working in a warehouse literally around the corner from here. Yeah, there's a couple studios right here. Who was here. I? No, not DC Shoes. Who was DC's right, DC was right here before they went no, to. I, I did work at DC. Oh, Kobe and the flip-flop company. They're around here too, yeah. Um, I was working for them. Dustin called me and said, hey, can you work tomorrow? And it was like, he called me on like a Thursday. And I'm in, in the warehouse. I'm shipping. I was a shipper. Yeah. I shipped all their... There's sandals, flip-flops all over the world. Shippendales. Shippendales. And uh, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I, I work. I'm like, I work my job tomorrow. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I had done, like, little things for them here and there. And uh, he told me what it was. And he's like, dude, you're going to make more money on this shoot in, like, the next two days than you will in the next two months. And I was like, uh, you have my attention. <laughs> and uh, so, literally, I, I got off of... I've, I talked to my boss. I was like, hey, I got something that came up. Can I take tomorrow off? He was like, yeah, no problem. Can I take the next two months off? And uh, <laughs> I ra- I got off of work. I literally drove to my house in Oceanside, packed a bag, took a shower, drove out to Escondido to Dustin's house, mm-hmm. picked up gear, drove over to La Jolla, picked up gear. Then I drove to the Regent Beverly Wilshire in Beverly Hills where they did Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman. Uh-huh. Drove up, checking in, like, this is so surreal. Like, how am I here? Mm-hmm. This is weird. Uh, and woke up, got in my room, and woke up the next day, and we did, like, two days of work on this shoot. Um, and it, I think I ended up technically, like, the third day, we worked, like, a quarter day. But in two and a quarter days, I made, like, literally two months of salary. Nice. 
in my normal job. And that started the path. And I said to John and Dustin, <laughs> how do I do this full time? Uh-huh. And they said, if you can figure that out, let us know. Because the nature of our business is freelance. Oh, okay. And so we have to hustle to find our own work. Or if you're good enough, yeah. like Dustin, the work just finds you. Like John, who's phenomenal DP, mm-hmm. the, currently the, the d- director of photography for Catfish on MTV okay. for tons of seasons. But um, yeah, so I, I, I got bit by that production bug. I ended up moving to LA and I got offered an opportunity to work on a couple of shows as a production assistant. And I think it only happened like once or twice. And then after that, I ended up being a production coordinator. Um, like doing office work. Oh yeah. And then uh Hold <laughs> Hold Braveheart? Braveheart. Go ahead. Yeah, and then I ended up being a production assistant, or I mean a production coordinator, pardon me. And uh you know, I just I I guess I was pretty good at what I did because it was just like one show led to another, led to another. And we did a show called Trading Spouses when I was 29 years old. Mm -hmm. That was my first road show. But being a a musician, um, like traveling around was something I was used to. My family traveled a lot when we were kids. Oh, okay. Uh, Whether it be up to like the Camarillo, Ventura, Oxnard area to see my relatives or all the way up to Southern Oregon and what we call grass pants, which is Grant's Pass, um, <laughs> yes. to see my grandmother, grandfather, my aunts and uncles that live up there. Herva? Herva's out in Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're not going there. I always bring up Herva, though, because the name is so awesome. It is awesome. He's he's like Creole. He's from Louisiana. Herva is a, a Creole uncle of Andy's that I always mention because I like the name. That's all. Yeah, I could never understand anything that guy said. No, I never. Yes, the, the football coach from, from uh, uh, Waterboy was, is... <laughs> Based on Herva. And cue the sirens. That's what happens every time we talk about Herva. But anyways, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, so we traveled a lot. So going on the road. Oh, wow. That's a big one. So going on the road, traveling for work, was I mean, it just, it felt normal. It's kind of part of what I do. And like, either, I say I say this to people all the time, either you're cut from this cloth or you're not. And you'll you'll figure it out quickly if, if you're not. If you can't oh, handle yeah, yeah. life on the road, then you just can't. And you figure out something else to do. But I liked I liked being on the road. Um, I was good at what I did. And that kind of... That ended up... When I got done with that show, I ended up getting a desk job at MTV in Santa Monica. Oh, cool. And sometimes I forget about that because it wasn't... In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't quite that long. Like Trading Spouses, I did... One, two, three, four... I think I did four seasons of it. Four seasons is how long in like calendar year time? Uh, so those years? are so those are ninety day runs each. Okay. So it's quite a long time yeah. to, be, to be gone. Like when I lived, I, when I lived in West Hollywood, I remember walking up to my gate. We was a gated complex, and there was a gate code. And at one point, I was like, I did like a, I did like a thirty day run, and then I did like a ninety day run, and then I came back and did a sixty day run. And this is before the internet, so like when you were home. You had to wash your clothes and you had to run around and pay your bills. They did a DWP. Right, you had to right. go down to the Verizon store, pay for your cell phone. Like, it's not like it is today. Yeah. And so there was sometimes there was really tight windows to get stuff done <laughs> before you literally had to pack a bag, go back to LAX, and fly out to do another show. And this was one of those times. And I'd gotten back, like I said, for like those consecutive back-to-back runs. And I stood in front of my gate at my apartment, looking at the at the gate code. 
at the keypad and went, nah, I got nothing. I have no idea what my gate code is. <laughs> Not a clue. And if you do it wrong three times, it like locks you out uh. and no one can come in or out. So I just had to wait for somebody, someone to walk out and like open the, I couldn't climb it. It was too, and I can climb anything if it holds still long enough. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, that got me into the TV world. Uh-huh. Um, and then because of my background with music and instruments and signal flow and plugging in an amp and, and turning on the power and getting the, the XLR mic cable to work with the PA and signal flow. Yeah. Because I had that background, um, going to the crew side, a camera side or audio side or lighting side, whatever it was, a production, rather than being in an office, being a production coordinator, you know, putting out fires if you will, uh, that the production problems that they have with productions, uh -huh. making things happen, uh, that was a natural transition to me to go towards the crew side. And John and Dustin gave me those opportunities. Yeah. And that's where I learned. And so anytime I had an opportunity to learn from anybody like John or Dustin, I would learn as much as I could because knowledge was power and you couldn't take it away from me. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't go to film school. A lot of people went to film school and you still have to start over in yeah. the TV and film. Yeah. Business. It's the same as culinary school. And like you get a lot more experience sometimes. And I mean, culinary school is great and all, but they still need, you still need to be in the kitchen to be doing the stuff. Yeah. Right. Hands on. Right. So hands on o OJT. Yeah. On the job o training. On the, on the OSHA. I don't on know. On the job training. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's, um, that's what you, that's what you got in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you become a, a pretty successful chef. You almost said master chef. You almost said it. It was on the, <laughs> it was on the tip of my it was tongue. On the cusp. Um, no, I, yeah, but like I did some school training, but you still have to be doing the work. Right. And it's totally, and that, that goes for anything. My kids in sports, you at film school, and then you took it, you're still doing camera work, but then you also took a turn into, um, um, voiceover. I Vo did voice acting voice stuff. Cause I, yeah. Yeah. It all started with Neil Diamond impressions, right? It, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Definitely. Cause I remember we used to do that all the time at like Denny's or like if you see a piano, you sit down at the soccer. So like, it's crazy what, but you met somebody in the industry through your camera work though, right? Well, yes. It's funny. It's crazy to hear what you remember <laughs> versus what I remember versus what like Bilbo remembers. Oh, totally. Totally. Or, or, or Dustin or Sean Beatty. Cause that guy's got stories that, I mean, Oh yeah. He'll I bring, he he'll talks, bring up something that I don't remember. He but I do that to him us. too. I do that to him. That's, all, that's true. That's um, true. But I mean, like, no, but it's just because probably when we were doing Neil Diamond, that's when we were being the loudest. True. But there was always like, which we were redneck impersonations. We, we and still like, are totally the loudest. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, yelling at the top of big bear. And yep. like, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you is said it related I, though? Are they, those are like, I mean, is that a natural turn? To it is a natural turn. It, it, what's Okay. So this is, so people talk to me about voiceover and it's not that I'm, so I'm making I'm making beer money. I'm not gonna lie. I, it's I'm not gonna retire anytime soon. Yet. 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 In a but world. You got, in but a you, world. In a world. Yeah, like, well, that was a great movie. Well, that's where it started. Was me doing people's outgoing voicemails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and that. as for fun, as a joke. Mm -hmm. and, and people were like, "Oh, you you have a good voice." I was like, "Oh, thanks." Didn't really think about it. I was like, "Yeah, I'm a singer. Duh. <laughs> I have a good voice. Duh." But yeah, I never those two things never got put together uh -huh. until later in life. And I met a guy who I didn't even know who he was. And oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Apparently, he was a big deal. He still is a big deal. You don't know who I am? <laughs> do you, he's like, are you messing with me? I'm like, no, dude, you're a giant man. Why would I mess with you? Uh, six, what, six, 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 seven, uh, red, long hair, red beard. Um, his name is John DiMaggio. Go ahead, look him up. 
Um, I didn't know who he was. I was just like, hey, man, you got a really good voice. Like, you ever thought about doing voice voiceover? And he was like, are you messing with me? Are you messing with me? <laughs> you yanking my chain, kid. Are you, are, you serious, <laughs> are you serious right now? I'm like, no. I mean, no, I'm not messing with you. Turns out, he's like, yeah, I'm John DiMaggio. I'm the voice of Bender the Robot on Futurama. <laughs> I'm like, see? Eh? These ears? These yeah. ears? They're good. Picked it up. They picked yeah. it up. I told you. Uh-oh. It's a really busy plane day today. It's a beautiful day for flying. It's a beautiful day to land at Palomar Airport. So yeah, so I I, I met John and, and uh Are you kidding me? <laughs> when I when I, when he told me who he was, I was like, yeah, you got a good voice. And uh, I said, yeah, people have always told me that I should do voiceover. I should get into it. He's like, nah, forget about it. It's a saturated market. And I was like, oh, all right. So that was and then work picked up, like the camera work and, yeah, yeah. and going back out on the road and doing show after show after show and. You know, I've been doing, I've been doing that for like seventeen years, eighteen years now. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, basically twenty years, and um, so yeah, I got you know, life gets in the way of living, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I had an opportunity to to kind of do a demo, like a demo voiceover for somebody, and mm-hmm. I and they played it back, and they're like, oh my gosh, you have a great voice, you should do this, and so I thought, well, why not, right? Um, when the, when I'm working, I make good money when I'm not working I don't make any money right so having a background in television and film and not only in camera work but also at one point for about 10 years I was mixing audio for te- for TV shows mm-hmm. uh, for for films yeah um, I had my own equipment had my own gear and so why not just set it all up and make it happen oh yeah so I started recording from home and the first thing I auditioned for I got the part the second thing I, di- I auditioned for I got the part and now I'm just doing it. The rest, as they say, is history. Right. You know, like... I tell people this all the time. They, this goes back to how I tried to set this up. Is like people always ask me, you know, is it easy? And I say the only thing I've ever done that's easier than voiceover is breathing, because it's literally my voice, and apparently people like it. I hey. guess my talk, <laughs> my speaking voice. Oh, you don't do so. So you're not doing like uh, character impressions or anything like that. So right now, uh, I'm working for a company. It's they're literally an on hold company called Leave Me on Hold, and so they, oh for phones. Yeah, yeah. So they so some of it's just a straightforward, you know, thank you for calling Bay State Refinishing and Remodeling. For remodeling services, <laughs> press one. For That's, refinishing services, right? Press two. I got a couple of friends who do that. The that for the county. For all other inquiries. Please stay on the line for the next representative. And it's got some music, like your dad playing accordion behind it. Yeah, there's like, like a music bed behind yeah. it. So it's some s- simple stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, and the check clears the bank. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's wordy and difficult. Um, I showed you a couple examples before we started this. Yeah. And things can be very wordy. Sometimes I don't even understand how to say the words. So I got to get clarification from my producer on how to do that. But that's something I'm doing right now in between the TV shows. I just finished a bunch of TV shows, stuff that's on the air now. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, so, you get to see. I mean, you're talking about camera. Yeah, camera work. Yeah, uh, the great food truck race. Um, I did part of uh, the previous the season that just aired that was up in Alaska. I did part of that until my fingers almost froze off, <laughs> and I told them I can't do this. I'm going. So, home. can you say that you work for? The, can you say you work for Chef Tyler or Food Network or do you? Say, or is it the production company? So yeah, so like resume wise, it's like yeah, I work for. NBC, ABC, CBS, yeah, Fox, right. MTV, VH1, okay. you know, Comedy Central, Food but Network, you would, you Discovery would, but Channel, But you wouldn't History say, like, Channel. I'm a Food Network cameraman, or, like, how does that, I mean... You know, it all depends on who's who's asking, to be honest. Um, 
because stylistically there are think there are ways that shows get shot. And even as I say this, it's like some people out there would think, oh, it can't be that hard. A camera's a camera. But that's not necessarily true. Sure. Like, that's liter- like saying that to a photographer. Like, Sh- Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, people specialize yeah. in, in certain types mm-hmm. of shows that they work that's on. That's why there's band photographers and food photographers. Correct. And- Just like, yeah. And you specialize in cer- a certain culinary art, mm-hmm. right? You may, yeah. you, you may like, do... I don't, I don't do sushi. I don't do Indian food. Like, I do my thing. Right. Yeah. E- exactly. So the same is true in most businesses, most professions. People specialize... Um, the same is true in docu-series, reality TV. Um, so, yeah, so doing food shows is definitely different mm-hmm. than, say, doing a house reality show. Sure. Um, than shooting the San Diego Gulls hockey games. It's all action. It, it's like, all, I mean, it's fast, all completely different. action, yeah. It's all completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be really good at what they want and, and deliver those results regularly, mm-hmm. like being a chef. Yeah. Like being a musician in the studio. Totally. When Brandon Ebel saying it doesn't sound right. <laughs> Did he ever say that? <laughs> I mean, I yeah, yeah. I think it was more like his. Where is he now? He's he's still doing he's still doing all his his, his thing. You know, the the label's still going well and stuff like that. Really? Um, yeah. That's crazy they, to me. They, some other bands are have sold lots of records. So yeah. You know, yeah. Um. Thank you for listening to the Family Cast. Food and music is life. Yes. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Something like that. And that's uh, to do now, and then we'll just go back into our conversation. Or uh... Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. That was just uh, one of the many uh, voice characters uh, that you can, you can hire Andy to do on, yeah. your, on your voicemail or your commercial Voice. or your business. And that's or, where it all started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, the, I remember the THX Dolby sound. Like, oh, yeah. That was yeah. my outgoing message. Welcome like, to my phone, or whatever. Like that was that was mine for, you know, world. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really good movie, by the way. Um, and is is it true to life? Have you seen that movie in a world? It, I, no. It's a movie about that. Uh, about the, about, do, Don, about Don Lafontaine. Yes. The movie voice guy. Yes. Wow. It's a movie. It's not. It's not a documentary. It's a movie about, and it's got two comedians playing two people that are trying to come up in the in that voiceover world. It, yeah, to do movie voiceovers, and there's a whole. You got to see it, but it's a, there's a pretty cool movie in the movie that they're trying to do the voiceover on. All right, I like it. Yeah, it's, I think it's called In a World. So, there's a, so that, that guy, John DiMaggio, he actually produced and directed uh, a documentary about voiceover people, oh, voice cool. actors. Voice actors. Uh, and it's called, Hey, I Know That Voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's probably I, think I've on, seen that. I think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's probably on Amazon um, Prime too, but uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining and it, it's funny to watch that. I'm like, that's the guy... Who twelve years ago? Hey, don't worry about it. It's a saturated market. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, oh, thanks, pal. Oh, it's Bender. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks, Bender. Well, I could have been doing this for twelve years. It turns out that there's lots of actors and other people who do it that don't. Like I know um, Lisa's family friend, uh, her, her dad, Joel Weldon. Oh yeah. He does it all the time up in Washington for like car, car, all the car companies up there. Right. Like all the you know Ford Motor companies up, right. up in that area. Again, a singer. He's a singer, right. yeah. So he does. He can do all the instrumentals on the commercials and stuff like that. And he's he's got a home studio. One stop shop. One stop shop. And that's his pretty much full time gig now. So I, I so in my in my venture into the voice acting world, um, apparently into the world, in a world, <laughs> one man, one yeah, desire, yeah. one chef, one kitchen. Welcome to Harvest Kitchen. I actually did. <laughs> I did that voice for 
he's literally the this guy this guy who i'm speaking to through a friend of mine is literally like the new the movie voice guy like, oh really you've already heard him and if you're listening to this you've already heard him because he's like full-time so there's only like one or two people who do it no no, no there's a handful but like he is the sought after guy i i i wouldn't say that he's the modern day i i could say that he's the modern day don la fontaine the movie mm -hmm. voice guy this guy brett brent 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 he's you're you're never gonna hear this brent anyway <laughs> um <laughs> you never know <laughs> you never know but he's like the movie voice guy and like literally runs uh tvvoiceartists.com and so he has like the top talent in the country arguably in the world that all go through his agency oh, now. Wow. He just built a studio. So he's running his own studio now where he used to have to go in and do reads in a studio. Mm -hmm. He had his own home studio, but now he bought a home, converted that into a, his own private studio. And now his people, instead of having to go into some other studio, they can come in and he can manage his, his Like voice. every bedroom was a different kind of studio. Yeah, man. Yeah. He like custom built it. Like, tore it down to the studs he's like over here is our transformers room autobots roll out and then there's and like that's he thing. does that yeah, that's totally. the guy mm -hmm. and so i m my friend was like oh you should contact him he grew up with michael they went to high school together i was like no way small world so i he's i contact a guy through instagram he's like yeah send me some reads i sent him some reads and he goes it sounds like you're doing a voice i'm like yeah <laughs> isn't that what we do and he's like well send me like your own voice and so i sent him my own voice we kind of went back and forth for a little bit nothing really came of it but then i started thinking i've seen instagram videos where he's talking to his daughter and he's not like hello penelope come here and bring me your, yeah, yeah. your bottle like no which would be amazing <laughs> it would be but he doesn't he talks to his kid like everybody talks to their children mm -hmm. with their normal voice mm -hmm. and when he gets in the booth he hits the switch and he becomes the movie voice guy okay. you know what i mean okay yeah so he was kind of like oh you're doing a voice I'm like yeah isn't that the whole point right but i guess if the, i don't know traditional voiceover it's like it's your voice this is you speaking hello how are you you know oh, really? as opposed to i always like, thought it was like they, they're hello how are you like doing the because like will arnett did like he does like commercial you know he's like yeah oh yeah the jewelry commercials or whatever but people right. don't know it's will arnett right but he's doing a he's doing a voice technically but then when you hear him talking it's like you can kind of hear that voice it's in there somewhere yeah like because you get sometimes you hear that rasp or like for sure or when you hear um you know hugo weaving do megatron or yeah you know do you, do you, speaking of voices, do you remember when we dressed up as cowboys and we went to La Jolla? Yeah. <laughs> and we fooled that, that tarot yeah, card reader, totally. like palm reader lady, psychic, because we told her we were from Oklahoma <laughs> or Texas or something. We were just being young. We went to thrift, went to the thrift store and we bought like <laughs> cowboy boots and cowboy jeans. Because why not? Old polyester cowboy shirts with like the pearl buttons. I think I had a cowboy hat. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Because we... You know, it was, it there was, was less things to do. It was know? Thursday. Well, also when you're trying to when you're trying to live a a you know drug free and alcohol free lifestyle, when, right. you, when you're trying to and you know, slip up every once in a while, but right. there's a, there's only some <laughs> certain few things you can do to have fun. We like, would entertain when, ourselves in in the '90s when we, you know. Yeah. Um, also, less less money and stuff like that. But but that, that, but that goes back to doing. But voices. we're doing voices and yeah. character acting and stuff R like that. You right. Know? And now here I am, uh, still putting my voice on record as a, in a, as a, in podcast form instead of like on CDs or whatever. Right. Yeah, I said it. CDs, whatever. Yeah. You uh -huh. know, <laughs> that was it. Was the day. Do you remember what? It, do you remember what it took for us to get our first CD? And wow. Do you remember your what band happened? has a CD. Do you remember that? What? No. So the only place, this is what. I was told the only place that we we could afford as a band to get our disc actually pressed was in Canada. Oh, 
And so we got, we got our master, Jason packaged it, shipped it, and it, so it went through Detroit, of course, because that's where it's got to go before it goes to Canada. Mm -hmm. And the mail truck that it was on got stolen. Oh, no way. And <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not making this up. Oh, I didn't and, hear about that. And so our CD release got pushed back because the, literally our the, the only master that existed in the world <laughs> was on that mail truck that got stolen in Detroit. <laughs> Which eventually, and obviously, they got back. Oh, yeah. And that, but that was our first, that was their first CD. We had to go through Canada. Dang. To get it printed because nobody had anything like that around here. Not too many. That, we, that we could afford. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there was some small prices. Sure, of course. But... Hollywood's like right up the road. But still, yeah. like, we couldn't afford that. Yeah, I just I never thought about, like, what it actually took to get it from my voice to through the microphone into the recording thing in onto a physical copy you know there's a lot of a lot of work that goes in behind you know after the fact of me singing however good or bad i sang or you sang or whatever it's like there's all the channels to get to get it onto a cd literally <laughs> don't let your energy shift you know you were not the greatest singer when you started out no but you no. became phenomenal you really did you, <laughs> oh, you, you literally to this day still have one in my opinion have one of the best punk rock voices. No. Look at that. See? Uh, Angelic. Of all time. Literally. In a world. But in the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. It Let's was, go back to the beginning. It, it was <laughs> It was pretty gnarly. It was pretty... It was pretty unique. Uh, it was... I was... Unique well, New York. Okay. Uh, just unique. The, unique. New York. You know... You know the Burning Man you know was unique. denied a bank loan. The fantastic fox jumped over the brown fence. Um... So just a tiny anecdote about my starting life in dog half off in dog was, 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 yeah, I wasn't a singer and it took me a while, but, um, I was just trying to sing like the bands that I liked. Right. Which As was we all did. Right. No effects, uh, offspring stuff like that stuff. I was seeing Bad in snowboarding religion, videos, snowboarding videos. anything in the videos, right? Lag wagon. Yeah. Um, good riddance. Totally. See you later. Totally. I <laughs> know. Oh, Oh, good rent. Oh, you're saying bye. Okay. <laughs> no, but like uh, anything I would see in the Snowboarder videos, and those all had the same similar sound. It wasn't, wasn't, they weren't doing pop punk stuff. No. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really like a metal head per se. I was just. You have metal tendencies. No, I do. I like it. I love hardcore and metal. Yeah, you do. But I wasn't at that well, time. A lot of people was, don't know that about you. But I, yeah, until they're like raging with me in the kitchen or uh, on the road trip or, right. or, you know, on the mountain. Right. But, but like I said, when I was 17. I was, um, I was like, ooh, I want to sing. I, I want to sound like kind of like that. I guess that's what I have to sound like to be in the snowboarding videos. Sure. So, so yeah, singing like Fat Mike and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, it changed a little bit as I grew up also. Yeah. I was not 17 or 18 anymore. I was kind of literally, physically, scientifically growing. Right. And um, my voice changed into more of the, like you said, I guess that harder core tinge, you know? Somebody's like... You don't sound like pop punk or MXPX or right. what uh, you know any of the other bands. You don't. Even, I didn't even really sound like Pennywise. I guess I was more like because I just want I want to scream my heart out and maybe I ruined my voice a little bit. I don't know, but I got a little bit rasp, you know, whatever. Yeah, but it, it, it turned out to be literally one of the best. It's fun. I have fun. I have fun of all time, honestly. Of all time. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I might be a little partial. No, because well, yeah, because you guys I, I, always you guys always heard the songs first and like the recordings first before. And the, you know. I'm still gonna go with the, I discovered uh, dogwood. That's fine. We, we can you can you can have that. You can have that that nugget. Like, uh, because you know, yeah, between moral issue and and then know, scratch line and and of course, yeah, that was 
almost like all let's be honest it was like almost like moral issue 2.0 2.1 but also because it was because it was kind of diff- all the different members but it's one. also me taking over for someone else who yeah, was the singer that, exactly that's what i mean twice so it was like kind of the same scenario um but in that you know like do you have to to land this plane of right our, to land the plane have we really discussed anything totally okay we're, we're basically discussing your journey from where from like you know growing up right around the corner here sure to to kind of where you are now and what what the future looks like in either music or right. camera work or i right. know you're the, the swiss army knife because you know if we, we all know what swiss army knives are for right like they do everything right I've done but it all. also voiceovers and right. voice acting and so there's three to four things that you're currently staying active i'm gonna with, i'm right? gonna turn into that giant swiss army knife that has everything the, yeah yeah the 60 blade or whatever it is the <laughs> The three hundred dollars for every night, but I still I, I just recently said Ooh, a helicopter. That, no, a helicopter. I just recently started saying that um, squirrel. No one ever uses the toothpick on the Swiss Army knife. I do. I use it every day. Yeah, you might be the one guy <laughs> because I'm in the kitchen. But um, uh, <laughs> literally, I gotta keep I gotta keep that those blades sharp. You know. Oh, totally. Yeah, especially the corkscrew and the the ones that people don't really use that much. You gotta right. keep those keep those honed, lubed, oiled, shined. Sharp. Vaxed and waxed and ready to attacked. Yeah. Um, you have any regrets in life? It's funny because I, I do get asked this question. You it, do? Why? Um, Are you in therapy? No, I'm not in therapy. It's it's more like because I don't really talk about my music career to say a lot. And I, I think it's kind of like it's, it's know your audience. So I work in a very creative world where a lot of people were in bands, a lot of people were music. And there it is again. <laughs> um, and so you run into a lot of people that they just, they're not impressed by those, those ventures. Anything. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm working on network TV shows or, or feature films. They don't want to hear about your punk band. They're not really that interested, <laughs> you know, but, but every once in a while you run into somebody and, and it'll come up and it was like, well, how did you get into this? Like we spoke about earlier. Yeah. yeah. And it was a nat- natural transition of being a musician, getting onto the crew side of things and creating and, yeah and shooting and mixing and recording and, and it's it's part of, of what I do but people ask me you know I released my first album my senior year of high school totally I hadn't even graduated yet San Marcos 1994 so that to other people that was a huge deal like even the people I went to high school with that was a huge deal right but to me or someone like you that was just what we did we're like oh okay yeah. everybody we knew was <laughs> yeah, in sure. bands everybody yeah. we knew had a re- record label right. or or an album out or a demo or was playing at soma or playing wherever you know what i mean like to us that was totally normal so to me i never thought that was that big of a deal and it's only been here now later in life where people ask and find out about that and they're like wow that's pretty cool and i look now i guess i kind of in hindsight look back and go yeah it is kind of pretty cool mm-hmm. um but re- regarding regrets um regrets no regrets not a single letter <laughs> the um after moral issue broke up after our second album and it was our last tour um i actually got called by uh a, a musician who was vi- extremely popular in the 80s and 90s and he asked me to go out to nashville tennessee uh because he wanted actually he wanted the band he wanted he wanted moral issue to go play oh uh at the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas because they were just opening it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we're on tour. We're on our way back. He goes, no, no, we're not going to be ready. Call me when you get back from tour. And I, we got back from tour and, and literally two days later, we broke up. And, oh. and so I contacted this guy and he goes, I don't care. I want your voice. I want to take you out to Nashville. I want to shop you around to some record labels. And I was like, what? Why don't, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't, even, I don't 
I can't be in a band with people I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have to be in a band with people that I went to high school with. This doesn't work with other people I don't know, yeah. but I didn't know it could. That, that's how it works. You know what I mean? And I guess I don't, so people ask, do you have regrets? So kind of yes, because I never, what if, but it's not something I can like hang on to forever because that's no, that's not a way to, in my opinion, that's not a way to live life. Yeah. Like what if I went and did that? Where could, where would I be now? Where could I be now? Is that a regret? Maybe, but at the same time, if I went and did that, arguably I wouldn't be where I am today and where That's I am true. today really feeds to my artistic sensibility, yeah. albeit in reality TV, but still I get to create something from yeah. nothing yeah. and to look back and, and see that. Like when we used to do construction, look back at the house and see what we did, mm -hmm. we accomplished something that's cool at the end of the day to be able to create something that goes on TV. That's, I don't know. It's rewarding. It's rewarding from an artistic yeah. creative sensibility. So I guess kind of, I do regret not going out there to see oh, okay. what could have happened with my voice. Who knows? But I'm still using it. No one can take, no one can take my music away from me. And up to this point, I haven't lost my voice. So there you go. I'm happy. Good. Yeah. The voice. Hey, okay, that's a show. This is the voice. That was, that was, this was, that was a voice. That was a voice. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jimmy works on that show still. Oh, he does? Yeah. Good old Jimmy. Jimmy. So we got some friends that do cool things. We do in this in that industry, and yeah. you know, um, coming we all came in, coming from like small punk bands in San Diego and such. But yeah. that's cool. That's uh, you know, is he in Nashville or no? Chicago? Jimmy G. Oh, Jimmy G. Okay, the OG, the OG, the OG, OG Jimmy, Jimmy G. OG Jimmy, Jimmy G. G. Taught so, Dustin. Jimmy, what? What'd you say? What? The Jimmy G. Taught Dustin. <laughs> yeah, regrets are like whatever. It's like what ifs and regrets are kind of different, actually, but. I see. I know what you're saying. Like, cause I'm like, oh, what if we had like made the choice to actually, yeah, to actually go with our, the management company and sign with Atlantic, and like, that would have changed a lot of things. So sure. maybe I'm glad that, you know, yeah, it's hard to live with regrets. It's hard to live with regrets. I'm not saying but, I didn't make mistakes, but like sometimes sure. those mistakes build you up. But living with a, an attitude of gratitude, a lot of people throw that around. Literally, of being grateful for what you do have and what. To, took you from that point to this place yeah. you know what i mean like even in yeah. failed relationships where i i came out of not too long ago i'm i'm actually grateful for going through that although it was dark and hard and difficult and the pandemic was dark and hard and difficult and like brutal you know biting my tongue until my teeth turned red but but looking back on all that it, it, it molded and shaped me i talk about the hammering process of being you know a useful tool that the blacksmith does to create something from nothing the knife i showed you when i walked into the kitchen today if it wasn't for those life experiences you wouldn't be where you are today and have that breadth of knowledge whether it be cooking uh, learning from your family whether it was what to do or what not to do mm -hmm. and how to raise your own kids and how to be with your wife and and with your extended families and your brothers and sisters and all of us and the people that are at home listening mm -hmm. to have that attitude of gratefulness and gratitude for getting you to where you are now whether it's a positive situation or one that's allowing you to grow having that attitude of gratitude and gratefulness is is it's a it's a better place than living in uh, regret regrets yeah it's true it's true it's a good it's a positive outlook so it sounds like sounds like your, your closing nugget of wisdom is going to have something to do with the journey that you're on attitude of gratitude positive mental attitude sure you tell me right? it's a uh, you know, is this I, coming I, from a like a 
I, have you gone? Have you gone internally on, on your spiritual side of, of life? For or sure, is man. That, is this part of that that journey? Like yeah, awakening or reconstruction or yeah, d all of the above. You know, um, again, we learn by association. We learn learn from our friends, friends and family, and teachers and and uh, sports coaches or whatever. But you know, at some point, especially for me, I I needed to go on my own journey to figure out what that is spiritually wise. Whether that's Jesus Christ, Buddha. I, I make it as a joke, like Chuck E. Cheese, like whatever it is that you can focus on that helps you be a better person in your life. I, I think that's, that should be the goal of everybody. That's certainly the goal of me mm -hmm. is to be the better version of who I am. And that's, again, it's, it's a daily decision. It's a daily practice. And I stand firmly by you make your choices and your choices make you. Mm -hmm. There might be outside circumstances that happen to you, but how you respond to those circumstances that is a choice. Mm -hmm. And the outcome of that is based solely on your your choice and your decision of how to respond to whatever it is in your life. Totally. You know, and yeah. so to have the attitude of gratitude and gratefulness and joy and happiness and love and you focus on that every day, it's crazy how that comes back to you. Yeah. It's it's it. really cool. I've seen it. It's really cool. Yeah. It's happening right now. The attitude of gratitude. The attitude of gratitude. It's my go-to voice. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, you heard it here on the family cast nuggets of wisdom, positive mental attitude, attitude of gratitude, spiritual deconstruction, reconstruction. Yeah. No regrets. Not a single letter, <laughs> not a single vowel. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, but we, I mean, we can go on and on for hours. Obviously there's so many actually really good, cool, famous local stories that we didn't talk about. Uh, um, but dude, maybe I'll save some of those for like, you know, when I have some of my other, they're tearing up on. the gulch. I know. Did you see it? They're making it beautiful. They are. They're, I mean, they but they started doing that when they built Cal State San Marcos, right? That's like, true. Yeah, that, the Gulch is a whole story. A whole, whole three hour another story. Whole three hour conversation in itself. Mogan um, remembers it well. <laughs> Mogan episode one. Mogan. Yeah. Mogan. Um, yeah. In a world. In a but, world. Anyways, Andy. Yeah, dude. Well, also we're we're, we're oh, working on some music. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, as 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 you as as quickly and as awesomely as possible. St. Didicus is slowly, <laughs> slowly putting out tracks and Andy and I have written some together yeah. um, that we will um, I, hopefully eventually sooner than later get out there and in, into this world, into this world. Yeah. Um, because I got, I got, I got something to say. Yeah, you do. Um, but also it's just fun to make music. It's fun to make pals, music. You know? It's fun. It's fun to cook. I'm cooking more Good. than I've ever have before in awesome. my life. And that's, that's life giving. I uh, did. I love it. And, and it was great because I, to go back to the TV thing, I worked on uh, back to back seasons of the great food truck race mm -hmm. for food network. And as I was on those trucks, it came blaringly like, it's so weird again, what we can recall and what we think about from kids. But one of the first jobs I ever had was me and my brothers would go to my grandmother's uh, food uh, trailer at the Orange County Fair. Oh yeah. Jeannie's artichokes. She sold deep fried artichoke uh -huh. hearts, mushrooms, zucchini, and eggplant. Nice. And we as kids, with all my cousins, we'd all sit around a big circle and have a jar of artichoke hearts that are in brine. We'd pull out an artichoke heart at a time and squeeze it to get the water out so that they could batter it and then fry it <laughs> in the deep fryer so it didn't explode right, yeah. because of the moisture. Uh -huh. But like all of those memories came flooding back. Like my first job was on a essentially a food truck a trailer mm -hmm. and so to watch these wonderful chefs on these trucks cook in such a small capacity as you do yeah like a small area on a food truck which is so skinny anyways yeah and then my goofiness is running around with a giant camera on my shoulder shooting the show and literally dancing with them 
And the way that we shoot is mm -hmm. we we as operators, camera operators, handheld guys, gals, we call it a dance on, on how we do oh, yeah. what we do. Oh, yeah. And what you, you guys stay out of the way. Right. And then what you guys do in the kitchen certainly is a dance. It's a dance. Right. And so to do that on a food truck with my camera for a TV show was really cool, but at the same time inspirational to to cook and and, and to chop food and dice garlic and you know what I mean? And throw oil into a pan and throw onions in there. Yeah. And it's, it's not like anyone taught me how to do it, but but you learn by association. You see things, you're hungry, you know it's good. I remember you coming over to my parents' house and <laughs> grabbing literally a tortilla and putting anything, everything <laughs> on it. And I'm like, that's crazy. All of the above. And you're like, try it. And I would eat it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And you were like eight, 17, 18 years yeah. old, 19 years old. And you're still doing it to this day, impressing people. <laughs> Sheesh. Thanks. I mean, yeah, if I can't do it on music, I'll do it in food, you know. Um, and we're doing what we love. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of people get to do that. That's true. We're extremely blessed and fortunate to, to do what we love. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in, in a job I don't like. And, you know, I mean, I'm doing this show. I'm doing the show just to get to talk to more, more pals and stuff like that. But really, I'm just... Because it's get, been a while. But I get deep conversations, you know. Um, yeah, it has, it's, it's been a while. It's when been people a can, while. There it is. That we could, like, sit down. You knew it was coming. Yeah, I was, I was waiting at what point in the show is he going to sing um, yeah. Stained or... Is that Disturbed or Stained or... Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer know. that. Please don't. I'm not going to answer that. Um, but yeah, anyways, I'm going to wrap it up. Wrap We're it gonna, up. Yeah, I got, some, I got some tacos to make. Wrap it up! That's a wrap. Uh, that's that's coffee. That's coffee. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time on the family. The family cast. cast. The family cast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
This is McQueen signing off and singing in Scratchline. The song is called The Broken. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to The Family Cast. Food and music is life, yes? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, Xander, 